Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, and today I've got a very special lady. She's living in Western Australia. Her name is Sarah Griffiths, and she's an uh, abuse and trauma expert. And I was uh, really excited to have Sarah on today because she really does resonate with what I do and what I teach. And I think she's going to be excellent in sharing some very great personal words of wisdom and insights. So Sarah, a very warm welcome to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted. So Sarah, if you wouldn't mind, if you if you would share a little bit about yourself and, and what's brought you to be doing what you're doing, I'd be really excited for you to share your, a bit about you and your journey with our audience today. Yeah, okay. So... The, the way that I got to where I am today, all of my work that I do, it's, it's not just professional training that I've done. It all comes from my own experiences and the personal and professional development journey that I then went on to heal from everything that was affecting me negatively from my past. So... I'll just tell you quickly. So when I was younger, I was really bullied at school for being poor. And it had a very, very significant negative effect on me. Um, It happened at junior school. And by the time I went to senior school, I would say that my sense of self was pretty much decimated. And I didn't, obviously, I didn't know any of this stuff at the time. This is how I've learned to look at it since through the work that I've done. But I know that although on the surface I had a facade because I was clever and I was pretty and I could get by, I had absolutely no belief in myself. I had no self-confidence, no self-esteem. I was running an awful lot of negative stories um, about my value and worth. And we all know what happens when you start your life young with those kind of stories. Um, It led to some disastrous relationships when I was in my teens. Um, And then when I was in my early 20s, I moved to London and I had a really good job. Oh, because I was living in the UK then. We should say that. That sounds weird. I'm in Perth. (laughs) I was in the UK then. Yes, been in Perth 14 years. And again, on the surface, everything seemed great. I had a really good job, um, really great boyfriend who had plenty of money and everything. And what I know now is that my feelings of not being good enough, I just felt rejected the whole time. Um, I was sure, I was, I was afraid of everything I said, everything I did, everything I wore. I just, I had absolutely no peace in myself. And what I know now is that I sabotaged that relationship. Probably running 
a subconscious belief that I didn't deserve it, but certainly feeling that I wasn't good enough, feeling a fraud in this wonderful situation and just waiting to be found out. So I sabotaged it before I could be found out. That's what I know about that now. So in that relationship, was he was he in, you know, what you would term a good guy in that relationship? And yeah. it was you that was um, the yeah. one that, that had all these issues going on in your head? Yeah, I, I ruined it with my issues. I know that now. I didn't see it at the time and I blamed him for a lot of things. But since I've done all the, all the work as it is, the personal work, I look at that and I just think, wow, how, how did he... How did he stand me? How did he cope with me at all? I just had so many issues. There's no way I could run a healthy relationship. And as I say, I know that I sabotaged it. So luckily for him, probably, otherwise he'd have been stuck with me for life. So <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's my perspective on that now. So that led to another abusive relationship. I say another because my ones before that were, got into another abusive relationship. Um, and then I was, I was very lucky and I, I got married, um, to someone who didn't seem as if he would be abusive and in lots of ways was, was a really kind of nice, had lots of good qualities, um, but was actually a covert narcissist. Um, and I didn't see it for a long time because a lot of his behavior simply supported the way I felt about myself anyway. I look at all of this now and I, I was not a person who should have been in a relationship with anyone. So what behaviors were you exuding then that, that, that he was sort of supporting? And what, what can you sort of give examples of that for the audience's benefit? Yeah, so... It was every, everything that I thought about myself, uh, all the negative things that I thought um, that I had no value, I had no worth, I, I, I shouldn't be heard, I shouldn't be seen, my hopes and dreams weren't important, my needs weren't important. And you see, because I was running this story for myself, his completely selfish behavior where he seemed to have no empathy and no concern for me at all, um, I, it could always be explained away. It, it, it was very easy for him to make me feel guilty um, and to manipulate me. Um, and it, yeah, because I was running this negative story anyway. So of course I was at fault. Of course it must be me. You know, oh no, of course I don't deserve that. Of, of course he's going to think that. Everything was of course, of course, of course. And what behaviours was he sort of, I suppose, compounding then in what he said or what he did? Yeah, so there was, there was, no, there was no partnership. It was very, I used to, I said to him, um, one of the things I said to him at one point was, you don't actually need a wife. What, what you need is a housekeeper. You need a housekeeper, someone to organize and, and, and run everything else so that you can just live your life doing what you want. That's, that's what it was. He was extremely critical and wouldn't support me, wouldn't support me in any of my hopes and dreams and anything that I had planned for my life. 
and would make lots of promises and just break them all the time. So there was trust issues that showed up then. And I suppose, like you say, that that starts with the self as well, isn't it? You know, what aren't you trusting about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I'm the only way I can describe it now. And funny enough about that scenario, we, we are still married, um, which might sound weird based on what I do, but things have changed a lot, an awful lot. Because when I changed and I stopped accepting what he was doing and I started to question it and I started to reject the way he was behaving, he had to make a choice. And he decided that he didn't want to lose me. So he has actually been making some changes as well. And I think that's important to stress, isn't it? Because it's not about trying to change our partner. It's about looking no. at what we can change about ourselves, which then naturally then has a positive impact on them as well, doesn't it? It is only about looking at ourselves. It might be looking at our partners to decide, well, I don't want that kind of behavior. I don't mm. want to be spoken to like that. I don't want to be interrupted or ignored or put down. All the things that you don't like, but you can't tell your partner to stop doing that until you become, become the person that can really say, no, I'm not accepting that. And then you can say to them, so you have a choice. And it's not like I need you to change, right? It's up to them if they change or not. The way to approach it is this is what I need. This is what I know I deserve. This is what I want for myself. And if you can be the person that can do that, then that's great. And if not, that's fine too. But this is what I need. And then it's up to the other person. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. I don't think there's any point, and I, don't, I certainly don't think um, you get any great results on the back of issuing ultimatums. It is about, you know, laying down, like you say, what it is you want and what you are prepared to allow and accept. And then if they want to choose to change to accommodate that, then that's great. And if they don't, then it's bye-bye. <laughs> Absolutely. And that is just you being true to who you are and to, to your personal needs. You know, you've worked out what you need. You want to be loved, cherished. You want to be nurtured. You want to be dated. You want someone to sit and read with in the evenings. You want someone to help around the house. Whatever it is, there are thousands of permutations of this. But we all need to get to the point where we understand what we need from someone else and we can express that. We can express that as a need. Because healthy relationships are all about being able to express it, both parties being able to express their needs and each person having the freedom to say, yes, I can do that for you or no, I can't. Yeah, I un understand and 100% agree. So what is it do you think that in the main constitutes a healthy relationship, Sarah? I think there's, there's two things that really go into it. Well, yeah, so there's, there's a couple of things. We've just touched on being able to understand what your needs are and being able to express them and knowing that you will be heard and that someone will say, yes, I can meet your need or not. And, and part of that is with our boundaries. 
being able to be clear about our boundaries. And that's not just in our intimate relationships. That's in all our relationships. People get concerned about boundaries and they think, if I put boundaries in place, people won't like me because I'm not being accommodating or they'll think I'm being demanding. Well, that really doesn't matter. Your boundaries are your boundaries. And here's the thing, the right people, the right people will respect your boundaries and will understand why they are there. And all your boundaries do is to help you have a healthy relationship because they tell people what you need and what you expect. And without them, you're just accepting anything that gets thrown at you. And it's completely unhealthy. Yeah, and I think sometimes, you know, we can kid ourselves, especially as women in, in relationships, you know, not wishing to generalise or stereotype, but usually it is women that are, are tend to be more forgiving. And, and on that basis, you know, they allow their boundaries to be crossed on the back of thinking, well, I, you know, it's it's part of my nature. I'm a forgiving person. But then that, that really doesn't, you know, um, offer that other person any consequences if they do behave badly, does it? Absolutely. Yes. So there's no consequences, but then there's nothing positive in that for you because how good do you feel? You just feel violated. You just feel taken advantage of. It's like, oh, here we go again. Mm. You know, and the other thing that's really important, and this gets missed all the time and rarely spoken about. And the other thing that's really important is motive to understand the motive of the person that you are having a relationship with. See, for a relationship to be healthy, it has to be about love and not control. Because control comes from fear. Mm. It comes from a fear of what will you do and who will you be and will you leave me if I don't control you? Mm. And the motive then for control, the underlying feeling is fear and the motive is to instill fear. Yeah. Whereas love is, and, and it's just about attachment. Whereas love is completely different. Love is about absolute freedom. Love is about just sitting back and allowing someone to express themselves and to know that that is right for you. And you get this easy, comfortable flow where no one is controlling anyone because two people just want each other to be happy and there's constant give and take. And it's all about support and encouragement. And that's the foundation. So a healthy relationship has to come from a motivation of support and encouragement that is built on love rather than one that is built on control and attachment, which comes from fear. And I think that's a very, very important distinction that most of us aren't taught. And so many of us have something in the background that stops us coming from this place of absolute love and just leaving someone to be who they are and just loving who they are. Yeah, this is so aligned with what I teach too, you know, because I think a lot of problems in life, not just in relationships, stem from you know, are you coming from a place of fear, which includes lack, which includes um, greed, for example? Or are you coming from a place, like you said, of, of love, 
you know, which is from a place of abundance and acceptance and, you know, uh, literally. It becomes all about cooperation. Yes. And we never get taught this, do we? We were talking about this a little bit on, you know, our pre-chat uh, off-air around, you know, the lack of education and, and lack of knowledge, you know, from our first educators, our parents, around how important it is that people get these life skills taught because they're not taught in schools and it ought to be compulsory, shouldn't it? Yeah, well, and we, we don't get them taught and we don't get them modelled either. That's no. the thing. People take into their relationships what they picked up from their environment as children. That the Children are looking at their environment as they're growing up learning about what a relationship is. This is the most destructive and devastating thing about people who say, I stayed in a relationship for the children. Well, all you're doing is teaching your children that an adult relationship is about, if, if you're in an abusive one, you're teaching mm -hmm. your children what is acceptable. How does a man behave to a woman? What does a woman accept from a man is what you're showing your children. And in an abuse situation, what they learn is that abuse is acceptable. They, yeah. don't, they don't see love and support and encouragement. They see anger and fear and hate and physical violence. And they, they hear yelling and they hear contempt and impatience and just all these things. And they have no reference for a healthy relationship. So then that's what they take into their relationships because it's what they saw. And like we were discussing previously as well, you know, um, all these things as, as a child growing up, you're just subconsciously, without even realising, carrying as baggage, aren't they? You know, Absolutely. Or aren't we, you know, as, as children then growing into adults, we're carrying all these little pieces of baggage, which like you yes. said, you know, um, you got and then even if you change geographical positions like you went from the UK to Australia it doesn't mean that you lose that baggage you know you're still taking yourself with you yeah yeah you, the, the one thing that has to change to change anything is always you I transformed my life and my relationship and everything when I worked on me when I understood that I had the power and the control to totally change all of this. That was a game changer. And the way to do it wasn't by trying to change my house or force my husband to do things or force him to be someone. The only way to do it was to change who I was. And then, as you say, he, not just him, everyone I know, all my friends, my colleagues, my sons, everyone responded in a positive way because I showed up differently because suddenly instead of coming from fear and uncertainty and this complete lack of belief in myself, I was coming from absolute self-confidence. I was, I was coming from total love. Love of myself was the first thing. And then it shows up in absolutely everything else that you do. And I also know that one of the things, well, one of the tools that you use to help people, uh, in particular women, to um, 
overcome and start the healing process is through a hypnosis. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that that's absolutely amazing. And the reason I use I use hypnosis and a particular and particular tools within hypnotherapy. Um, and I specialize in trauma and abuse. And the reason hypnotherapy is so powerful is because we were just talking about all the messages you pick up as a child and they create a blueprint. So if as a child you witness abuse or you are in an abuse situation where abuse is being done to you, whether it's emotional, physical, sexual, um, it, it creates within you these, these negative thoughts about yourself. It literally destroys your sense of self, which is why people who have childhood abuse struggle so much with relationships. They have trust issues, abandonment issues, issues about themselves, issues about it's, it's a whole litany that it sets up. And all of this is deeply ingrained by the age of 10. And what we know about the mind now is that these are, this is your subconscious blueprint that you see the world through. So you show up through this blueprint. And it doesn't change. As in what happens is you go into your adult life with this childhood blueprint, with all this fear and negativity that is running the show, mm. which explains the issues people have in their adult relationships. And the thing is, what traditional talk therapy does, so I'll just explain quickly, 95% of all of the decisions, the behaviors, the thoughts, 95% of what you do every day is dictated by the blueprint that is running in your subconscious. And only 5% is your logical conscious mind. So when you have traditional talk therapy, and I'm not knocking talk therapy at all, obviously it has its place, it's great for some things, but when it comes to these deep-seated emotional and mental health issues, the depression, the anxiety, the complex post-traumatic stress disorder that they're often associated with. This is held in the subconscious and it is no good talking to the 5% logical conscious mind and trying to get it to override the patterns of the subconscious. It doesn't work. If it did, we wouldn't have all the long-term mental health issues that we have today because everyone would just be able to reason themselves out of it. Mm. The problem is it's all stored in the subconscious and it's in the subconscious that we have to undo the damage. And it, it's not difficult to do and it doesn't take that long. Um, it's, it's just that we have to work a certain way. I always say to people that um, trying, trying to heal from these very complex emotional issues um, by just dealing with the logical mind is, is a bit like you go to the doctor with a broken arm and he fixes your leg and then you mm -hmm. wonder why your arm is still broken. It's, <laughs> it's the same thing. We have to deal with the part of, part of the mind where the damage is done and where everything is stored. That's why I use hypnotherapy and that is why it, it is so amazing. And, you know, people, people who've been in therapy for years, I mean, 40, 50, 60 years um, can, can be a completely different person within a few months because we undo the patterning in the subconscious. We uncover and disrupt the negative thought patterns and replace them with different ones. 
Definitely. I, I absolutely understand that because I do get that, you know, these wounds are often related to what happens in our childhood. And um, we can, you know, as children quite often accept that that's just the norm until we know different <laughs> when we're adults. Uh, and and then think back and think actually you know what <laughs> that wasn't the norm. <laughs> yeah, because because all children have to go on is the environment that they are in. And here's the thing: when we look back as adults and we're reasoning things through and going, oh, I can't believe I did that, or I thought that, or I said that. Children aren't doing that in the moment. They are not questioning anything. They don't have any power or control. They just unquestioningly learn from the adults around them. They're not reasoning about anything. They're just absorbing. Yeah, so I totally get, you know, that we, that, that blueprint, you know, is, is within us unconsciously. And, and quite often, you know, if we're in a situation where conflicts arise, it's not the actual subject that's causing the conflict. It's usually a trigger that's been set off, Absolutely. you know, like you say, that, that stems from childhood, isn't it, that's causing yeah, the conflict. Yeah. It's a reference to the past that 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 re-emerges. Yep, and it could it could even be something in your past that happened regularly, and within your body, um, it created a certain chemical reaction because it's, our mind and body are are connected, um, and every thought and feeling that we have creates a chemical reaction within our body. So what will happen if something negative is happening all the time, your body creates a certain response to it, and then it remembers, it remembers. So even as an adult, if something similar happens, your body automatically in response to that creates that feeling again. Yeah, I get it. You know, and and you you might not, well, most of the time, we're not aware that that's what's actually going on underneath, are we? Yeah. And that, that's, that's, the, that's the imprinted memory, not just imprinted in the mind, but imprinted within the system, within the whole body system. It's, it's unbelievable how complex we are and how, how everything is connected. But the great thing about that, listen to what I've just said. Okay, so if the mind has those neg- the mind and body have those negative reactions, Whatever the mind has created, the mind can uncreate and the body responds. Excellent. Well, on that note, Sarah, I want to thank you so much. You've really shared some great pearls of wisdom within this episode. So uh, much gratitude and uh, thank you so much for coming on today. And I'm sure we can pick up, you know, some more insights and wisdom on, on future episodes. But for now, um, what would be the best contact information for anybody that would love to get in touch with you? Yeah, so probably the easiest thing is uh, my website, which is just sallyg.com. So that's the name Sally and the letter G, sallyg.com. So they can just, if they just go to my website, everything's there. They can find out all about me. Um, I'm just about to launch my own podcast. I've got loads of videos on YouTube, so much information on my website, and then they can just contact me through there if they like what they see. Excellent. On that note, thank you very much again for coming on this particular episode. And I, as always, will make sure Sarah's information is included in our show notes. All her contact information and her bio will be in there for you to look up 
after the episode is finished. So it just leaves me to say, remember that true love starts with opening our hearts. And on that note, until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.